Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Night vision. Two verses, Matthew 2, 1 and 2. Where do we get this title? What's the thought that the Lord is impressing on us during this time? Uh, Matthew 2, 1 and 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Wise men came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east or when it arose and have come to worship him. And so the whole thought was, and we understand it's unconventional and it's uh, not the normal course of things. But evidently, if the only direction they had was a star, then these wise men and their entourage were required to travel at night. It wasn't the normal way you travel in that day. <clears throat> we read when they opened their gifts, when they met Jesus, they carried a lot of wealth with them. They were targets for robbers and thieves and marauders along the way. They literally were like Abram, where God said, leave your father's country and go to a land I will show you. They weren't sure where they were going, but they were following something. Something had touched their hearts. There was a light shining in this dark place they had been living. And so they were willing to risk it, to believe the known, the comfortable, to travel in an unconventional way, to arrive at a place they knew was better. And that's really what happened to those of you that have asked Christ in your life. And those of you still on the journey, on site and online, what was going on? Somewhere in your life, you realize there has to be something more than what I'm doing right now. How many remember when that began to dawn on you? You began to understand the Holy Spirit took the word of God and maybe someone's witness and a message, someone's life. You heard a preaching, but something in you began to realize where I am is not where I need to be. There has to be something more in this life. How many have had that moment in your life? Let me see your hand. In some way, in some fashion. Well, the rest of you are going to get saved today, okay? I didn't know I had such a big audience. I'm excited about all the people who are going to get saved here in the next few minutes. Because somewhere in your life, the light came on. The Bible says, we'll read it in a moment, that Satan, the God of this age, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they don't see. You're, 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 you, maybe you were like me. I grew up in church, but I was sitting on a church pew blind. My mother and father were saved, and they were enjoying worship, and everything was going on, and I was sitting there hearing what they heard, and it never got me. Anybody understand what I'm saying? You ever go to church and wonder, what in the world's going on? Some of you are sitting here right now looking at your watch. Fake, okay, put it down. Fake your, you got your phone out. You're trying to wonder, when is this going to be over? We've got people come to Calvary, uh, and I love it. They said, Pastor, the first time I came, I said to myself, if I ever get out of this place, I'll never go back there again. They said, but a month later, something wouldn't leave me alone. And I said, what was that in there? What happened in there? What was that I felt? What was going on? Well, it wasn't Calvary. It was the presence of God. And there's something in you and I. Thank God. Billy Graham calls it the search. He said God created every one of us with a God-shaped vacuum in our heart. And life is searching, trying to find what's missing here. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. Only one piece fits. 
And you might try money or relationships or fame or this or that or accomplishments. And, 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 and it just doesn't fit. And finally, this search, like those wise men, you see, you know, where I am is not where I need to be. What I have is not satisfying me. What, have I, what I've tried, the alternatives and the counterfeits are not cutting it for me. And you say, I'm willing to move from where I am. I'm willing to step out of the known and do something to me unconventional and walk through the night because it's dark here, but I see a light over there. It's dark here, but I see something. And that's what they did. And that's what this night vision series is about is that if, if you're willing, I want you to hear me, not only for that person that doesn't know Christ, but for some that have accepted him, but have stopped walking close to him. How many heard what I just said? We have to keep moving. The Bible says uh, the New Testament journey is just that, a journey. And, and it says this, we need to understand there has to be movement and growth. So the Bible says, if we walk in the spirit, will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It didn't say if we sit down in the spirit or go to sleep on God. How many are with me? But if I walk in the spirit, if I stay in step with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to go someplace. And so we have to realize in our spiritual journey that we need some, some night vision. As a believer, as a believer, you're going to have some seasons that are not comfortable. How many heard what I just said? I can't promise you it's sunshine every day. You may have to walk through the night. But what does the Bible say? This verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. How many are thankful for this? For we what? Walk by faith and not by sight. That's night vision. We're able to see, to know, to trust God in a dark season, even when we can't make sense of it, even when it doesn't add up. How many times have you said, this doesn't make sense to me? How many times have we said, this is not what I thought it would be? How many times have we said, I, I didn't think it would be like this? The real key is in not if that moment happened, but what do we do in that moment? Do we keep walking? How many are with me? See, that's how we, we get from, the, uh, from now to next is you're going to have to walk through the night sometimes. It's how we get from here to the there. We're going to have to walk in the night sometime. See, sometimes I have to be, listen to this. Sometimes I have to do what's unnatural for me to experience the supernatural of God. I want to say that again. Sometimes I have to do what's unnatural for me to experience the supernatural that God wants to do in my life. In other words, I have to leave my comfort zone and step out over here to see what God has in store for me. So we, we have to learn to walk in this season. Look at John 1, verses 1 through 5. I've read these to you, but I want to make sure we, we have the foundation to put what we study today in context. John 1, verses 1 through 5. Look with me. In the beginning was the what? The Word. This is the title for Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Some people will try to tell you false religions, cults, that Jesus is not deity. He's not God. Well, the Bible clearly states in many places that Father, Son, Holy Spirit make the Godhead. Jesus is God. So we read here that the word was with God and the word was God. Verse two, he was with God in the beginning. Through him, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. 
in him. In Jesus was life, and that life was the light of men. What you and I search for is not a star in the sky, but life. John 10.10 says, Satan is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life more abundantly to the full. There's something instinctive in us that until we find Christ, we know there's more for me than this. There's something here. That life, that life is the light that grabs us and pulls us on. So verse 5. I love this. What do we read here? Verse 5. The light shines in the darkness. How many are thankful that in your darkest hour, God's got something for you? And I love this statement. And the darkness has not what? The darkness hasn't overcome it. We need to reframe that as we go through this narrative. Now, let me ask you this. Has anyone here ever been disappointed? Anybody ever been disappointed? I hope you're not disappointed next Sunday morning. I hope you get what you want for Christmas. All right. Hope you're not disappointed. But every, how many, let, let, me, let me ask this question. No, I don't want to do that because I, I was going to say, how many have never been disappointed? Raise your hand, but forget that. How many have been disappointed sometime in your life? I have been. Have you ever been disappointed? Sure. How many of us have ever had our plans fall apart? You ever make plans? I will not ask you this. How many of you are very, I didn't, I'm not going to ask you, please don't raise your hand. It would frighten me if you raise your hand. How many of you are very controlling? Don't raise your hand. You like your way all the time. Don't raise your hand. How many have your plans, and, and if they don't work, it really messes you up. Don't raise your hand. Okay? So we like a plan. We like it to go a certain way. We surely don't like to be disappointed. But those are the moments when the light goes really low in our lives. Those are the moments when it gets a little dark. And that's when we have to decide, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to respond to this? Okay, Uh, there there are going to be disappointments, but we have to remember Jesus has overcome that darkness, right? So we're going to go from that position. So let's go to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. I'm going to show you a disappointment on steroids. Somebody say on steroids. Here's a disappointment on steroids, Matthew 1, 18. All right, you ready? let's, Let's make these people real because they work. Let's see if you can relate to this about night vision. What do I do when I have to walk through a little dark season in my life? Matthew 1.18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. Oh, we love to read this, don't we? Don't we love to read this at Christmas time? Yes. You know, oh, it's beautiful. The birth of Jesus. Come on, let's keep reading. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. Isn't that sweet? They're a great young couple. Things are going great. They're engaged. Things are looking good. But, oh, that word, that word. That, that word, that but, but, uh-oh, what's going to happen? Before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. My, my. Now, verse 19 says, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. You, what an understatement. What a rose-colored glasses statement. The next verse says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. But I've always wondered how long was it between verse 19 and verse 20? See, we read whoop, right there. Next verse. Oh, it's okay. It's okay, Joseph. It's okay. Put yourself in Joseph's place. 
Put yourself there. How long was it between verse 19 and 20? Joseph, when he heard the news, what, did, what was his? Look at, get this. <laughs> Joseph, her husband, verse 19, was a righteous man. This is a good man. He was a good man. And did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Do you know what that nice little sentence means? He didn't believe a word she said. Do you understand that? He didn't believe a word she said. Joseph was bitterly disappointed. Bitterly. How in the world do you think he felt? How would you feel? Engaged. Ready to be married. Righteous. Love God. Fallen in love. Big plans. Big plans. And your fiance comes to you and says, Joseph, I want you to sit down. She probably said, put the hammer down. He was a carpenter. Put the hammer down. Let me tell you something. So it's like this. I'm pregnant. Don't worry. It's not what you think. It's God. Joseph said, I hear you, but I don't believe you. Because we just read. He said, I'm going to. In that day, the engagement was as binding as marriage. He says, I'm going to divorce you. So now this man is utterly betrayed. Think of the betrayal. My fiance has been unfaithful to me. She not only has been unfaithful to me, she's pregnant with another man's child. We're done. We're done. You can go, Mary. He was devastated. He was disappointed. It was a dark day for Joseph. Are you with me? It was a dark day. He not only had been betrayed by this woman, now he thinks she's crazy. Tell the truth. She not only is unfaithful and a liar, but she has mental issues. Because she's now come and told me, this is God. Don't you act self-righteous sitting there on Sunday morning, December 18th, 2022. This man's disappointed. This man's betrayed, he feels. This man feels that, that he's lost everything. Then, then the next round, what happens? Now he's embarrassed. Because what do people say? Oh, huh. So you're not getting married? So why not? Why aren't you getting married? Oh. Uh-huh. I saw Mary the other day. She gained a little weight, hadn't she? Don't know none of you would have done that. There'd been nothing on social media about it, right? Nobody had been slipping around in Mary's house. Mary. Huh? None of us would have done that. He disappointed all their plans. Think of that. He was a carpenter. He was probably already adding a room on their home. He was already working hard. He had made all the plans. They'd sent out the invitations. Things were going to be fantastic. And then, come on. Are you getting his disappointment yet? Have you taken the rose-colored glasses off? Is it real life? And then it starts with the accusations and the gossip. His friends, his family. So, you know, I, I, was, thinking, I was thinking about this. So, let, let, let me ask you. Since you guys aren't usually quiet today, I thought I... It's me and the Lord kind of communing up here today, so... You know, I was thinking about that. So, what if 
you would have gone to Mary's church. What if you had been a member in good standing? You know, religious people always like to say those terms. I'm a member in good standing. I'm a tithe payer. As if me paying tithe gave me, anyway. Uh, so, um, So I wonder if you've been in Mary's church. What would your prayer meetings been like? Well, have you heard? Have you heard? You know, she had us fooled. She had us all fooled. And what's worse, she says it's God. It's God. I want it to sink in. Because I wonder how many people in church <laughs> have had to eat a good old serving of crow. Don't preach me down. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching. To you. you guys are saying amen so loud and hardly hear myself up here. You have to turn my mic up in a minute. Stay on it back there, would you? So, we can... so I wonder. I just wonder. I wonder how many times we talk before we pray. I wonder how many times we gossip before we ask God to help us. I wonder how many people went to Mary to help her instead of picked up a stone to throw at her. I wonder how many times we judge before we know the facts. I wonder how many people acted a fool and then had to repent when the real truth came out. I wonder how many people uh, even acknowledged they were one of the gossipers when Jesus died on a cross to save their sorry behind. Excuse my language. Uh, I, I just wonder, I just wonder, I'm talking like daddy today, by the way, in case you wondered, it's all the way through. I just wonder about that. Well, I don't have time. That's not my message, but I thought it was something to contemplate. We're so quick to point the finger. We're so quick. We, we, we live in the most judgmental, critical, I think ever history. Can we be better than that in the name of Jesus? Can we be better than that? Can, can, can our social media be better than that? Can our conversation be better than that? Can, can we stay in our lane better than that? Can we pray when we need to pray and be quiet when we need to be quiet? And if we're worried about somebody, go talk to somebody. Can we do what the Word of God says? Is anybody with me right now? Anybody with me? Okay, I want to make sure. Everybody take a deep breath. It's okay. We're going to be all right. Everybody take a deep breath. So see, see what happens. So Joseph's world's upside down. He's walking in this incredible disappointment. It has been a difficult time for him. But the Bible says he was a righteous man and the Bible said God came to him in the middle of that dark moment and said Joseph I know your world has fallen apart but I want you to listen to me she's telling you the truth and Joseph made a decision in the middle of his darkest hour with all the gossip and the words and the screaming and the embarrassment and the anger and the betrayal and every emotion you can imagine. And Joseph said, I'm going to believe the word of God. In the middle of my darkness, I choose to live my life with an audience of one. And if God has said it, I choose to believe it against all conventional reasoning. I don't even understand it. Joseph didn't understand it but he said I accept
accept the word of God. We are going to have to have moments in the dark seasons of our life where it is beyond my understanding. Because I am natural doesn't mean God can't be supernatural. Because it didn't fit my plan does not mean it's still not God's purpose. Is anybody with me? So Joseph had to make a choice. Will I believe God? Will I walk this out? Thank God he did because he came out of darkness and God used that man to literally be the earthly father and guardian and steward of Jesus, the son of God, because he made a decision in the dark season. I'm going to believe my God. I'm going to believe my God. Let's look at this. Let me show you something. Look at Luke twenty-two fifty-three. There are going to be some seasons. Listen to your pastor. We're not the church of the moan and the groan and oh, oh, it's me. We are victory and God is able and he's overcome darkness. But I have to tell you the truth. If you love Jesus, you may well walk through a dark night or two. But the proof of our faith. It's not if we ever face a challenge, it's how we face the challenge. It's not did it ever go dark, but it, did I walk through the darkness? Look at this. Here is Jesus. Here he is in those final hours. Here he is just before the crucifixion. Luke 22 and verse 53. What a statement. You got to see this. It's probably up here. Yeah, look. He says every day. They're, 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 uh, he's at the trial before the Sanhedrin. He says every day I was with you in the temple courts. And you didn't lay a hand on me. Look at this. But this is your hour. This is your hour when darkness reigns. He had been jerked away from the Garden of Gethsemane in prayer. He had been brought to the home of the high priest having a mockery of a trial. And he said to them, you could have come any day in the daylight. But you were afraid of me in the daylight. You were afraid of the truth. And so now you've snuck around and broke the law and violated your ethics and you grabbed me in the darkness. But he said, I want you to know it's your hour. Did you get that? It's your hour. So the next time the devil's beat, trying to beat your brains out, you can say, you've got an hour, buddy, but the rest of the day belongs to God. I may walk through an hour, but I'm coming out on the other side of this. You need to understand, there may be an hour of darkness in your life. There may be an hour of grieving in your life. There may be an hour when you don't understand why it's happening the way it's happening. But the good news is the devil is limited. He doesn't have all of it. He has a season. And so so what do we do? We make our choice and we say, Father God, I'm going to do like Joseph. I'm going to believe your word in the middle of the dark hour. I'm going to take what God says. The devil may have an hour, but I'm going to give the rest of the day to God. I may have to walk through a season, but I'm not going to die in this season. Is anybody with me in this thing? See, we have to understand if we can get, if the devil can get you in that dark place. What is that? That's a place where I'm not trusting God, where I'm not walking in faith, where I've let go and surrender. When I just let go, what happens in that dark place is where Satan does his work. How many are with me? And that dark place is where Satan does his thing. He works in the darkness. It's where you stumble. It's where his accusations are the loudest. It's where your imaginations are the worst. Anybody with me? It's where you make your bad choices walking around in the darkness. My friend, it's where Judas betrayed him. In the upper room, it said at the Last Supper that when, when he had taken the, the bread and dipped it, it says, then he went out and it was night. Betrayal happens at night. 
Denial happens at night. When did Peter deny Jesus? During the night of his trial. I want to encourage you with something today. Don't live in the darkness. Don't fellowship in the darkness. If you're a child of God, you have to walk out of the darkness. You have to believe God in the darkness. Don't make your choices in the darkness. Who heard what I just said? Don't make bad choices in the darkness. Don't make long-term decisions because you're in a short-term dark place. You've got to have some faith. You're going to have to trust in the Lord and what he says and what he's going to do. God will give you faith. We can overcome. Look look at this account. Look at Paul and Acts 27. Turn to Acts 27. Paul's on the road on a ship. He's on a journey to Rome. He had told the believers, God spoken to me, Acts 27, that I've got to go to Rome. Have to go to the capital. I have to go to the epicenter of Roman culture. And there I'm going to preach the gospel. There I'm going to bring the gospel and confront the darkness of the Roman culture. I've got to go to Rome. And so Paul's arrested. He's on his way to Rome. He's on a ship. Paul tells the captain, God's spoken to me. Don't take this journey. Don't leave the port. Weather's not going to go well. And what did the captain say? You're the preacher. (laughs) You don't know about ships and weather. You stay in your lane, partner. I'll stay in mine. Paul says, all right, whatever you say. You know, the boat's seized by a furious storm there in the Mediterranean Ocean. And we're going to Acts 27, verse 21. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sell from Crete. Then you would, not have, then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Watch this. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. Because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night. When? Last night. (laughs) See, can I tell you something? If you'll stay steady in the night, God will speak to you. If you'll stay steady in the night, God will send an angel if he has to send an angel. He'll find you, Joseph, and say, I got a word for you. He'll find you in the middle of a storm and a dark night and say, I've got a word for you. Is anybody listening to me? In fact, I really believe under the Holy Spirit's anointing that I've got a word for somebody in a dark season right now. I believe this message is a word from the Lord in your dark season. I want you to listen to me. Some of you have been thinking about giving up. Some of you have been discouraged because Christmas isn't what you thought it would be. This season hasn't been all the frills and this and that. But I'm coming here today standing before for you. I've got a word from God for you today. I've got a message to you in the dark night. If you'll hear it, God's going to do something with this today. He says, he said last night, an angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve. Look at this. He came and stood beside me in the nighttime. God's going to send you a message in the nighttime. God's going to send it to those that are listening and stand beside. And this is what he said. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. In other words, God says, what I told you I was going to do, I'm going to do. I told you you were going to Rome. I told you you're going to witness before the emperor. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sell with you. Can I tell you something? Your family that may not be a believer, you're the greatest blessing God ever put in their life. 
The people you work with because you're in that business, it's blessed because you're there. Your students, the school that you go to, it's blessed because you're there. Your college is blessed because you're there. You don't have to back up. You don't have to apologize. You don't have to be ashamed. Anybody with me today? You don't have to be embarrassed. God is with you and people are going to be blessed just because they're on the boat with you. Because they're in the presence of a person who is doing the will of God in their life. He says, You're going to, I'm going to save everybody with you. Verse 25. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God. Anybody with him? I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. All right? We like to stop there. Let's look at the last sentence. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. What you and I need to understand is that we may have to go through the dark night to get to the place God's ordained for us. On the journey to where God has said we're going to be, I might have to walk through some darkness. I might have to sail through a storm. I might have to be shipwrecked along the way. But God says, you're going to Rome. I'm going to get you there. And I'm going to bless the people with you on the journey. Now, you're going to run on ground. You're going to run aground. You're going to hit an island. This ship is going to go down. But my word is going to be faithful. My word is going to stand. So what happens? Let's go to chapter 28. Stay with me. I'm going to wrap this up. Watch this. So Paul, think of this. Do you think Paul planned on his journey to Rome to go through a storm and the ship sink? No. Do you think that was anybody's plan? Some of your plans you've made, some of the plans I've made, I want to help you. Some of the plans you had for your family, some of the plans you had for your marriage, some of the plans you had for your career may at this moment look shipwrecked. But if God said, you're going through, you're going through. If God's word is true, and it is, there's another side to this thing. There may be an hour of darkness. There is a limitation on what Satan can do, but God's going to take you to the other place. So Paul's plan, stay with me, was never to go to Malta. Paul's plan never included a storm and a shipwreck. But I want you to watch this. Verse 20, chapter 28, verse 1. Once safely on shore, just as God said, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. Someone say favor. <laughs> okay. They built a fire and welcomed all of us because it was raining and cold. Now watch this. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. Now this is where some people jump ship. Lord, you told me I was going to Rome. You didn't tell me about the shipwreck. You didn't tell me about the storm. You said I'm going to go to the island. You didn't tell me the snake was going to bite me on the island. Okay? I quit. I quit. I can't take anymore. Come on, I know none of you said this. This is to help you help somebody else. God, if you're who you say you are, the problem with that is that you started with the if. Come on, how many with me? If you're who you say you are, then you should have stopped that serpent. Well, he probably could have stopped, or he could have stopped the serpent. Maybe we need to trust him in the nighttime. Maybe we need to start living with some night vision. Maybe we need to start seeing what God sees in the moment. 
Maybe we need to start holding our words until we see God's gotten us to, to the other side of this. So the serpent is on God's hand, <laughs> on, on Paul's hand. It reminds me, I remember reading about Martin Luther, and, and, and this is where we need to get. Come on, I'm, let me give you some night vision. Martin Luther, the Protestant Reformation founder, uh, was sleeping. And he woke up in the night and the devil, not a demon, the devil was over his bed. Now, you know what he did? He looked up and saw that he said, oh, it's only you. And he went back to sleep. That's night vision. Now, it would have been okay. It's better than quitting. But you know what you and I would have done? We would have got the oil. We would have got the Bible. Come on, don't shout me down. We would have got the name of Jesus. We would have prayed in tongues for an hour. Come on, look, don't, don't, don't act funny on me. We, we, you know, and all that's good, and that, that's better than quitting. But there comes to some place where when the devil shows up, it's like, seen you before. The lights go out. We don't run around screaming. And, you know, that's, you know that's how you get hurt in the dark? You need to stand still when it goes dark. You ever had the lights go out in your house? You start running around screaming, you fall over the furniture, you break stuff, you hurt yourself. That's what Christians do when they go panic in the dark. Just be still. The light's going to come back on. Just be still. Don't go running around the house acting crazy. The snake bit your hand. Too bad for the snake. The devil came and looked at you in the bed. It's only you. Go back to sleep. He can't touch you. Okay. So the snake bites him. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, <laughs> he had a pretty good bite, didn't he? They said to each other, this man must be a murderer. <laughs> For though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. That's called religion. Okay, you ready? Oh, it's got it. Verse 5. I love this. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Come on. We have to stop living by what our people say about us online. We have to stop living by who friended you and liked or loved or put thumbs down on your phone. Oh, one minute you're a murderer, the next two paragraphs later, you're God. We got to find some place. Come on, how many are with me? We got to find some faith. All right, stay, I'm, come on, watch this. So verse 7, there was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius. The chief official of the island, he welcomed us to his home for three days, entertained us hospitably. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways, and when we were ready to sell, they furnished us with supplies that we needed. Paul did not have Malta in his plans. When he was going to Rome, but God saw an island that needed a revival. And he said, I'm going to get you to Rome, but I've got a plan different than your plan. It may look dark in the storm, but I need to trust God because God is taking me somewhere on his journey. In other words, he made it to Rome, but he stopped in Malta along the way. Look at Proverbs 19:21. Come on, let's get this. Let's get this. I want you to see this. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. How many just read that with me? Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that 
prevails. It's not what George Sawyer planned. It's the purpose of God that matters. How many can say amen to that? My plans are different than his sometimes, but I believe his purpose will prevail. How many will declare with me today? I will follow the purpose of God in my life. If my plans blow up in my face, if I go to Malta on the way to Rome, I'm going to have a revival in Malta. If the snake bites me on the hand, I'm going to shake it off because God is about to send an awakening to an entire group of unreached people. How many believe our God is able to do those kind of things? He's mighty. He's in control. Can I tell you something? In the middle of Joseph's disappointment, in the middle of Paul being shipwrecked, I've got three or four statements everybody needs to hear. This is for us. How many say I'm listening? Listen, for some of us, God is developing your capacity for greater responsibility. Do you know why you're walking through this season? Not to destroy you, not to defeat you, not to shipwreck you. Listen to me. Why? God is developing your capacity for greater responsibility. Listen to this. God is preparing you for what he has prepared you for. God is preparing you for what he's prepared you for. There's something he's prepared us for and we may not be ready for it yet. So I've got to go to Malta before I get to Rome. I've got to walk through the night before I get to the purpose that he has for me on the other side. Listen, you are being tested so you can be trusted. We like to trust, but we don't want the test. Come on, how many are with me? What do you do in the dark? Stay in the moment. Stay in the moment. Listen to your pastor. Stay in the moment. Don't go running around in the darkness acting crazy. Don't go running around and tripping over things. Don't go running around hurting yourself. Don't go running around making bad choices. Don't go running around developing bad relationships. How many are with me? Don't go running around developing bad habits in your life. What do you do? Stay faithful to God. Stay in your word. When you're walking through the night, you need to read the Bible like you've never read the Bible. Don't get upset and take your toys and go home. Stay in your worship. Stay in your prayer time. Let me ask you a question. You know the real proof of my maturity in Christ? Which direction does the night push me? If it's pushing me closer to God, we're going to win this thing. But if it's pushing me away from the Lord, I'm whining. I'm crying. I'm giving up. I'm mad. I'm frustrated. I'm disappointed. I'm shaking my fist at God. I'm acting like he doesn't know who I am. Are you with me? I can tell you how, where you are in your spiritual journey. Which direction is the night pushing you? Are you going closer, going farther away? Let me end with this. Joseph was not only disappointed when he heard from Mary and he got over that. But then that day came where Herod, an ungodly king, made an edict and said, Everybody's got to go to the city of their birth and register for taxes. Bethlehem was a two-week journey from Nazareth. His wife is 8.9 months pregnant. And Joseph says, oh, man, I had no plan to put this woman on a donkey and walk two weeks so I can pay taxes to the Roman government. But listen to me. The Bible said, the prophecy says that out of Bethlehem, the sun will rise. And so God used the edict of a heathen king as the assignment 
to get Joseph exactly where Jesus needed to be. There are going to be times you don't understand the assignment, but you stay on board. God's taking you exactly where he wants you to be. So they get to Bethlehem. And Joseph was disappointed again because there was no place for them to even have a room. I've been to Bethlehem. I've been to the church of the nativity. And there it's built over not a, even a barn, not even a stable, but a cave in the ground. Because the son of God was born in a stable, in a cave with horses and donkeys and animals and hay and stench and dirt. And the man on the earth who felt responsible for Mary and this baby was disappointed that he had to put them there. But God was working with them. Listen to me. God is so much in control. Let me show you this last verse. You got to see this. And this is going to encourage you. God's always ahead of us. Look at Luke 2, 7. The baby was born. Luke 2, 7. And the baby was born in a cave, in a stable, and it was not planned, expected. And watch this. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger. Have you ever wondered what those swaddling cloths, what that meant? Do you know what that word means, swaddling cloth? It was a definition. It wasn't just a random cloth. You know what the swaddling cloth was? It's what they wrapped the body in at burial. In the Jewish custom, they would never journey from their home without swaddling cloths in case they would die on the way. Had to instantly be buried. Do you know there were probably Joseph's swaddling cloths that he had tied around his waist under his tunic as they started the journey? And you know what we have to discover is that Joseph and Mary's plans may have been to have a baby and start a family. But God had a purpose that was bigger than their plan. And that was to send us a savior, a baby who, when he was born, was wrapped in a burial cloth, born to die. Our savior born to die. And there may be moments in your life for the worship team to come. Listen to me. Where you feel like everything you planned has died. And everything you tried has fallen at your feet. But if you'll trust God's purpose above your plan, God's way out ahead of us. He already has it designed. And they wonder, why do we have nothing to put this baby in? Mary looks at Joseph and says, what are we going to do? It's cold in here. What are we going to put around this baby? What are we going to do? We didn't know we are going to have a baby. We didn't know it was going to be in this cave. We, we, we didn't know it was going to be like this. And Joseph stood there and said, all I have is this. And I'm sure they looked at those burial cloths and thought, my goodness. But she said, wrap him up, Joseph. He's crying. Wrap him up, Joseph. He's cold. He's shivering. This little baby born to be our Savior, in this cave against every plan his mother and earthly father had. But God was right on time, right on time. To Mary and Joseph, it looks like the worst time in the worst place that you could ever imagine. But you know what the Bible says in Galatians 4.4? In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Can I tell you right now, 
If you'll walk with God through the darkness, his purpose is going to be fulfilled in your life. If you'll trust him when it looks like it's falling apart, his purpose is going to come in your life. What may look like disappointment to you could bring Jesus into the moment. How many are willing to say, Pastor, I'm going to walk through the darkness with him. I'm going to trust him. Even if I have to wrap the gift in a burial cloth, I give it to you, God. I want you to stand together with me. Let's don't leave. I just want you to stand. I want to tell you something today. Are you listening to me? Everybody listening to me? I want to tell you something. The darkness cannot overcome you. The darkness cannot overcome you. There is nothing the devil can do to overcome the light. There is nothing the devil can do to make the light go away. If you'll walk, everybody listening to me? If you'll stay faithful, if you'll trust God, God's plans are better than my plans. How many would say, Pastor, I believe he knows what I don't know? How many would say, I believe he sees what I don't see? How many believe he's working for your good in the midst of something that never would have been what you chose? The purposes of God. The purposes of God. Not everything in life that happens to you was something God sent at you. Some things are other people's choices. Are you listening? It wasn't God that had them do that terrible thing to you. That wasn't his plan. But he still has a purpose for you. When man's plans are wicked and cruel. Some of the losses you've had in your life are not because God said, I'm going to do something cruel to you. No. But his purpose stands. When our plans are shattered, his plans are there. His purpose stands above it all. Someone asked me yesterday, how, Pastor, how did you and Pastor Phyllis get to Decatur? How did you hear about Decatur, Alabama? I said, I'd never heard of Decatur, Alabama. And I can't give you all of it. The story's beautiful. It's, it's like you have to make it up. But God did a supernatural thing. But let me tell you this. I had a cousin. Her husband worked for 3M. They lived in South Carolina. I lived in Arkansas. I never, we weren't close. We weren't in we just weren't close distance. He was transferred to Decatur, Alabama with 3M when it was time for Calvary to start. I didn't know anybody there. They didn't know us. But my cousin and her husband came and through God's direction was this, with this group that would start Calvary. First spirit-filled church they'd ever been in. And they said, we need a pastor. Does anybody know a pastor? <laughs> she said, I've got a cousin somewhere in, uh, in Texas, I think. He's in the ministry. That's a resounding recommendation, isn't it? So she had to call my mother, her aunt, who gave them my number, and they called me. And my cousin and her husband made the connection. And then they transferred him again before we ever moved here. It was the shortest tenure in his whole career. And he said, I have no question. God moved me to Decatur, made the connection, moved me on to my next place. There are some times when the purposes of God are so far above what we can see and understand that you'll never comprehend it. So you know what you do? You trust Him. You trust Him. You trust Him. Can I tell you right now, God, listen to me. God is working for your good right now. God is working for your good right now. He's on your side. He doesn't hurt you. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. 
He's not against you. Sometimes life happens. Are you listening to me? Bad things happen. Darkness comes. Satan gets his hour. But the purposes of God stand if we'll trust him. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.